0: Hello again, and welcome to NCEA Podcast. This is Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer for the National Catholic Educational Association, along with Kathy Mears, Interim President and CEO of NCEA. NCEA. And we are uh, glad to be with you today to give you a little bit of an update on uh, things um, COVID-19 with Catholic schools across the U.S. Before we jump into some topics, um, we want to let you know that we, uh, we have a mental health workshop coming up on June 3rd that'll be led by Mike, Michael Boyle from uh, Loyola University in Chicago. We know that's going to be of great value to Catholic educators across the United States uh, during this time of anxiety um, and uh, concern in our Catholic schools. So please uh, check that out. Um, we also want to make sure people are aware of the fact that we are offering a number of different professional development services uh, for next year. Uh, there was a letter out this week to superintendents and to principals kind of outlining a lot of the services that we will have available to schools that uh, can be funded through Title IIA or uh, CARES Act funding. And so a lot of great leadership trainings and finance trainings uh, stream. Uh, early childhood education, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of good offerings, and please keep your eye out for that letter, or you can always reach us at NCEA. Um, So Kathy, great to have you uh, and us, me and you together again. And we've just recently had some phone calls with superintendents and with principals. And so just maybe opening it up for you, what, a, what what's a, an issue that you heard from superintendents or principals that you're you're thinking about right now uh, with regard to COVID-19?
1: Well, first of all, thank you, Kevin. I'm glad to be with you. And thank you for everything you're doing for our schools. We all appreciate it very much. And so thanks for your leadership. So on the high school call with the high school principals, I was very interested that they remain positive, but they are acknowledging the fatigue that has gone with Zooming, and I think that's something that we all have to acknowledge, that we're all very tired. Zoom wears us out. It seems more intensive. It seems more more people are on. It's compacted, and and it just wears this out and I think we need to acknowledge that and actually I thought it was very good that the high school principals did acknowledge that. The other thing that really struck me about the high school principals and you might want to comment on this because I thought it was very important is that teachers want more professional development but they don't want more professional development on a variety of topics. They want to go deeper. I think this one-stop PD, you know, do it one time and forget about it, that professional development doesn't work with teaching remotely, and our teachers are acknowledging it. And I found that to be an interesting comment, that they wanted to go deeper. And I was thinking, so what does that mean? And how do we, as people who provide professional development, how do we support that? So what were you thinking when you heard that?
0: First, about the Zoom wearing us out, I think it's a little bit related to that too, in some ways. That we've we've done this transition so quickly and very effectively, by the way, and in a wonderful way. We're here, you know. We continue to hear a lot of positive, uh, anecdotal news across the country about Catholic schools and their response to remote teaching and and distance learning and all of those things. I think where we are now, and and I heard the same thing on the call, Kathy, that you did, is some sense that this is not gonna end soon, that we we, we will for sure almost definitely have some schools opening uh, with remote instruction taking place for the next school year. We hope the vast majority of Catholic schools aren't. We hope the vast majority of Catholic schools are operating in person, but we just know uh, by virtue of um, how this will impact different parts of the country in different ways that, uh, that there will be some schools inevitably who will, who will open like that. And that's where I feel like the Zoom wearing us out mm-hmm. and about also uh, the excitement um, that teachers were expressing about going deeper, that they have these great tools that they've been exposed to or, or made more familiar with um, as far as teaching tools and, and software and different apps that they can use with their students. And I think in some ways that can feel a little bit overwhelming when you have all of that Kind of out in front of you, and I think that's what we were hearing on the call. Instead of just more of that and and more, more options, let's really try to dig in deep to these that we're using and that we're feeling really comfortable with. And so I think you know, as an from our perspective at NCEA, it's really about looking at those tools that are that are being utilized that that uh, schools and teachers and principals are very excited about, and figuring out how do we make sure that we create real. Uh, professional development that can be focused on teacher training and teacher depth uh, around those topics to really get into them and really explore all the capacity that those various tools have
1: yes and you know when you first use any tool you tend to use it at the very very basic level. And I think about the microwave or even my um, mixer that I use, you know, when I first started, I did not do anything on it. And I just used it for really basic stuff. And you take a little time just to learn a little more and the things that you can do with different tools. It's amazing. So I'm very excited that our teachers are true lifelong learners and want to be involved in that. And Kevin, you know what they really want to learn? That's assessment. They want to learn better ways to assess real learning. And that's true of high school teachers and elementary teachers. How can I know that the student's ready for the next skill when they're at home and I can't see the page um, that they're working on or um, I can't be sure if they did this independently, this work, or if they had some help? And it's not that we think anybody's cheating or things like that, but how can I know that they're ready for the next level when I'm not beside them? And I think that's really important for people to take into consideration and to check out the tools and are there ways we can use these tools to check for deeper depth of understanding because assessment is something that keeps coming up over and over again with our teachers and principals and superintendents.
0: I agree, Kathy, and an exe- great example of that recently from, well, not just the Catholic school side, from the from all school side is the AP test. The AP exams were administered about two weeks ago. Online, there was a 45 minute window to do this. Uh, They were open book, but there were some very, you know, clear guidelines provided to students about um, what they could do and what they could not do. And I think why that's an important, relevant example to this conversation is that it makes us all understand that none of us are experts at this current time hopefully we're becoming more expert as we as we go through it ideally that uh, will always be the case but when this came about and we all had to make this transition very very quickly I think in some ways there's a sense that oh my gosh someone else must be doing it better than I am or someone else has figured this out and I just don't know it yet and I think especially with assessment and we're thinking about formative assessments and summative assessments and how do you ensure that you know students aren't you know obviously taking advantage of the opportunity of being at home and and all those different things every single school is trying to figure this out too so we have an opportunity to really think this through and to consult and collaborate and talk it through with other educators who we have uh, respect for, talk to our university partners um, who often have moved to online instruction in, in some capacity, maybe a little bit sooner than, than we had for, for COVID-19. So trying to think about some different strategies to do that in an effective way. And again, in anticipation of of next year when we most likely might have school starting with some form of Remote learning, and Kathy. Maybe I'll turn to that uh, with another question for you. I think a lot of the, almost all the principals, and maybe most of the superintendents we talked to, had uh, expectations and hopes that they were going to meet, be able to open with with students in the classroom in September. However. I don't think anyone thought they were gonna have classrooms full of 30 students. So how are people thinking about that in terms of what requirements might be in place even if you are able to meet in person and those social distancing guidelines and wearing masks and et cetera, et cetera. What were some things you heard on our calls uh, the last couple of weeks?
1: First of all, I'm impressed at the at how much planning has already gone into the beginning of the school next year. Um, People are taking it very seriously, wanting to do the right things. And we heard a lot about, well, they have half a day schedule and then um, half the children in the morning, half in the afternoon. We heard some about that, but actually that seemed to have died down. That doesn't seem to be the way people want to go. But they are talking about doing a day at a time, one day for for half the first grade class, the next day for the other half. People are also talking about that six foot distance. What does that mean in the classroom? What does that mean at lunchtime? What's it mean at church? Will we all be able to be back in our churches? Um, that's gonna be a big deal for our students because celebrating um, the Eucharist is one of the ways that we are a Catholic school and a Catholic community. So teachers and parents, I think are probably involved and principals are looking at all those things. They're also looking at when the kids come back, what's gonna be like for them. They will have been out of school for maybe almost six months if they go back after Labor Day. That is a really long time, really long time. So what do we need to do to prepare the students for school again? Um, You get away from anything for six months and then you go back to it, it's difficult. It's difficult for adults, let alone children. And I think that we're gonna have to really look at that. The other thing I was thinking about, really young children, maybe they're going to kindergarten for the first time. They they missed out on six months of school, and they're going to be different. They're going to present differently than kindergarten classes last year or the year before, because they've been learning online now. So for them, that's almost normal because that's what they've been doing. So I think our schools, our teachers, um, our principals are wise to plan, but. We have to remember that we're still dealing with children at the end of the day and humans who are tired, who are trying to figure things out, trying not to be worried about everything. Um, my little grandsons, they they talk about the germs and if grandma's house has germs. So they're very aware that there's something going on and there's something that maybe they should be a little bit afraid of. And we have to help students with that as we move forward. So I'm impressed that schools are looking not only at the physical spaces and what it means, but they're looking at that social and emotional learning piece. What do we do to make sure our students feel safe and secure when at school? And I'm very proud NCA is going to be offering that workshop with Mike Boyle in early June because it's really important that we take care of our kids first, their emotional health, wealth, health and well-being. That's really important. And don't forget the teachers too. They've been under a lot of stress. And they, they need our support too. Um, hopefully all teachers will get some weeks of rest and relaxation before they have to go back because it's, I'm sure it's it, they're exhausted and we need to um, make sure that they get recharged and renewed before they begin again.
0: Absolutely. And, and on that, uh, I think it was our elementary principal call. Uh, there was a principal who brought up something that here, to, I believe it was probably China, but one of the Asian countries that had been out of school since January just had kids come back relatively recently, and he had read something where um, whatever country this was, they actually did a whole week of PTSD training for the kids, essentially, I mean, essentially saying we need to really make sure we focus on these kids' emotional health uh, because they've been out of school for this significant amount of time and make sure we focus on that before we get back into anything on an academic level. And I thought that was just an interesting thing to ponder, I don't think we advocate anything necessarily like that, but just to think that through, uh, obviously that's a lot dependent upon the age of the students and, and how they're reacting specifically to to uh, To the separation, we also heard from principals saying things like, "We need to re-socialize kids to school," and I think this might have been a little uh, what you're even referring to with the kindergarten students who had missed out on so much. You know, just those those normal socialized behaviors that are so important within school, uh, as far as you know, how to line up and how to. Engage, and obviously we're talking about younger, younger kids here. But taking some time to really um, re-socialize and reacclimate them to that school environment and to uh, to the way we um, we interact, I think, will be really, really important.
1: Kevin, you know, when you talk about the PTSD training for for teachers so that they can help kids did you think I mean think about it six months ago we would never have even thought that we'd need to talk about that and now it's part of our conversation I, I think we better take a moment and realize that we the world has changed and that's not all bad at all one of the things that we also heard from the principals was that they don't want to go back they want to keep embracing this this innovative creative workplace that they've discovered online and they want to get better at it but we we need to take a moment and reflect this is a very different world and we can't go back to the way we were before or at least i don't think we can do you
0: no uh, i don't think we we can and I, and I don't think we should i think we're, we're learning things through this that can make us uh, make us better and actually make us a stronger mm-hmm. Um, we call system or a stronger group of schools, stronger Catholic schools overall. I think one one thing that jumps out at me is we couldn't have predicted this um, six months ago um, or even three or four months ago. Obviously, the the need for this this intense maybe uh, social emotional training for kids. Although we did see issues with that prior to COVID nineteen, we had conversations all year really, and, and and one of the things we were talking about and developing, and we were really excited about was the idea of professional learning networks or PLNs. And uh, these are groups that we wanted to um, get together on Zoom and small groups, five to 10 individuals who do the same job in Catholic schools. So they might be principals or teachers, uh, kindergarten teachers, or a math teacher in high school, for example, and really build some collaboration and problem solving. And we were really excited about this, and we had some some groups going with it and and lo and behold, now with the um, with covid nineteen and everyone getting very comfortable with Zoom and coming online, um, one of the things that really struck me on both the superintendent calls and the principal calls in the last few weeks was the excitement around keeping that going. People were very excited about those touch base calls and they were also very, very excited in uh, perhaps partaking and being a part of a PLN uh, for next year where they can dialogue with uh, colleagues across the country about challenges they're facing, about wonderful celebrations that they can share with each other. And so that really struck me as well.
1: I I agree and the more times that people can connect and learn from each other virtually or in person, the better off we all are as church, as teachers, as professionals, as people. I cannot wait to see people in person again. It will be great, but at least the opportunity to learn from each other is still there. It's still vibrant. and i'm I'm very grateful that we're able at NCA to offer those kinds of opportunities and to be a part of those opportunities. I'm so impressed by our teachers. They just keep learning. They just keep trying. They truly are living that that adage from um, St. Theodora to love the children first and then teach them because that's really what we're talking about with the SEL. That's really what we're talking about when teachers take their own time to learn new things. They're talking about loving the children first so they can be better teachers and that's impressive. And I think that our PLN platform is going to be working really hard as people join us to. Join a community, a network of learners, a network of people who have their same interests. And I, th- I can't wait because I think it's really exciting and really going to answer a need for teachers in the Catholic education world.
0: I agree, Kathy. And it's, it's our, I know you and I share this philosophy, uh, especially about professional development, is that nothing should be a one off. In, in this day and age. Nothing should be a one day training and and that's it. So all of our professional development that we're looking to develop uh, from finance training to leadership development to uh, to teacher support really would have some type of PLN component. So you have an opportunity to continue that learning over time with a small group of colleagues who can help share ideas and talk through challenges and, and really figure things out. So I think that uh, that's really, really exciting and we're very much uh, looking forward to that, um, you know, another area that came up, and I know we we don't necessarily have uh, all the answers yet, or really maybe any answers on this, but is the handbook issue and the legal policy that I know a lot of schools are, are thinking about in terms of starting school next year. Uh, everything from you know what are the social distancing requirements and how do I kind of you know, make that policy or or include that in my handbook, to how do I handle, you know, a teacher who might be concerned about his or her uh, personal health, and obviously they wouldn't wanna necessarily be in the classroom, so how do I adjust to that if we're back in person, but a teacher wants that? So wh- what are you thinking about that challenge? Because I know, and again, I know we don't have answers yet necessarily, but but just some thoughts maybe on, on those challenges.
1: Right, and here's the weird thing, the advice keeps changing. <laughs> So we have to be aware of that. Um, remember Kevin, one teacher or one superintendent said she's just decided that she didn't want to be the leader anymore in planning. She's gonna wait and be in the middle of the pack home planning because she felt like she was getting ahead of everybody else in the world and then they changed the rules on her a couple of times. I I, I understand what she's mean. She's trying to be proactive, but Sometimes the rules are changing on us and we have to roll with it. We're thinking at NCEA that we're going to provide some advice, some connections. But right now, I think we have to go to CDC and look at what their recommendations are or our own states because states are doing their kinds of recommendations for schools too. It's really hard for NCEA to put out advice because it's so particular to each state. We're, We're working on things that we can put out there to support you in that. But it is going to be a challenge. Lots of legal questions coming up and we have to find the answers to them or at least use our best, best reasonable care for each other and hope that that will be enough legally. If we do take reasonable care of each other, I think we'll we'll be in pretty good shape. And I think that's my easy answer is that we will do what is reasonable to help and support each other. We cannot do everything people will want probably, because everybody has a different opinion about what's necessary. When I go outside, um, some people are wearing masks all the time, some people are only wearing masks at certain for certain events times and places. So there seems to be a lot of leeway there. And we're going to have to figure out what, what do we want for our schools? And how can we best protect our students? Because at the end of the day, that's our responsibility to protect our, student, protect our students and their teachers. And if we concentrate on that, we'll, we will be in good good shape. But it's it's tough. And um, you can look to NCA for more advice and guidance as things play out and as we continue to gather resources for for a membership.
0: You know, Kathy, and I'm struck, I, I said earlier about not being experts because of this radical shift that's taken place and everyone's been kind of adjusting to it and adapting. Another thing that should be reassuring for, for educators and all educators, but including Catholic school educators, is that, you know, society at large is wrestling with these problems. Other work. Uh, environments are wrestling with these same questions. So again, this is not something that we should feel like we're behind on or that we should have answers you know, immediately on. We're all trying to figure that out and other industries are trying to figure that out as well. So we obviously have to stay up to speed with what's happening and what's being discussed. We can help provide guidance and support with uh, with our conversations with people who have expertise in these different areas. But it's also very, very important for leaders especially because I know they carry that additional burden that you and I both, uh, admire them so much for and, uh, respect them so much for to kind of give ourselves a break sometimes that we don't, sometimes we want to know every single answer, every single, you know, second of the day. And, and, uh, a situation like this really humbles you and says, you've got to just take it a day at a time, trust your faith, trust your, your instincts, uh, be that support and that, um, that, that guide for your school community and trust that, uh, that things will, uh, will work out.
1: Right. And and I think that we can trust our leaders. They do great work. We can trust our teachers. They are doing great work every day. And you know what, we can trust our families. We really do have partnerships with them. And we need to work with them too, so that they feel comfortable sending their students back to our schools. Because I know A lot of parents are worried if they'll be able to afford Catholic education. A lot of principals are worried if families will be able to come back. And so that's just one additional pressure, but we need to trust each other and keep working together um, for the benefit of our students. And if we keep that focus, I think we'll be okay. But it's definitely a lot of work and it's a lot of the unknown. So we have to trust in God and, and keep moving forward.
0: So talking about a lot of work and trusting in God, Kathy, you are about a month and a half into your role as interim president and CEO of NCEA. What uh, What can you tell us about your experience thus far, what you've uh, enjoyed, maybe uh, some of the high-level struggles or challenges that you've, you've seen, and just your overall uh, impressions of taking on the helm of the organization.
1: Kevin, I have nothing but gratitude. I, I am so impressed and so amazed by what's happened in our schools since March 13th, 14th, whatever day it was that we turned off the lights in our buildings and went home and said, we're still gonna be a school. They are so impressive and i cannot say it enough or to enough people because it is amazing what catholic education has done we've not been perfect but we've certainly given it a great try and we've done it with a lot of love and a lot of courage and i'm totally impressed um, one of the teachers on twitter said that she had her students write a reflection about um, what god would say to them that has been good about this school year. And I think if God was talking to me about NCA, he would say the NCA staff has come together and just done everything they can to support schools. And I would also say that God would say the schools have noticed, and I should notice that the schools have noticed. Because um, you know, sometimes people wanna tell you what you've done wrong and that's fair and that's okay. But you and I both know we've received far more compliments and we've received so many prayers of support. And I am so grateful for all of that because it has made a difference for all of us. And my thing is, I want everyone to know is that NCA exists to serve our members and we will keep serving our members. And I know that whoever is the next president, they will come in and they will take up that same mantle that we are here to serve members and we'll do our best to serve them as well as we can every day. Again, we may not get it right every day, but we will definitely try every day and we will put that effort and that attention to all the details to, to be as best and as good as we can be.
0: Indeed. And I just echo that as we uh, kind of wrap this uh, episode up. I think, um, you know, Kathy and I get to sit and and talk about these things on this podcast, which is great. But we only get to do this because we're hearing from you and we're hearing your stories, your wonderful celebrations, your challenges, your difficulties. Um, Those conversations I know for both Kathy and myself have been absolutely inspiring. Uh, They've really painted this beautiful picture of resilience and determination and faith and belief in community and belief in our connection with one another, and that uh, that truly is inspiring from from our positions uh, at NCEA because we get to hear those stories that are that are challenging at times, but also very very inspiring. and uh, And so we want to uh, continually ask you to to not be shy in sharing with us any thoughts, any um, any way that we can help support you do your work in your school, whether you're a principal, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a teacher. Um, And obviously parents and students, we want to make sure that what we do at NCEA is providing support and guidance and uh, resources to our Catholic schools and our Catholic school educators.
1: So thank you for having me, Kevin. I'm so appreciative of the time that we've taken together to talk about COVID-19 and and the update from NCA from a national perspective. And um, I want to thank you for everything you do every day because it's, it's really important work.
0: And Kathy, thank you. Thank you for the time and thank you for your leadership. Uh, it is so greatly appreciated by uh, all of us at NCEA. So that is a NCEA podcast for this week. Thank you for subscribing and thank you for listening. And we will be back uh, next week with another edition of NCEA podcast. God bless.